This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Here again today, we're going to talk about a topic that I think is near and dear to a lot of us, and that is park-owned homes. I'm being a little facetious because I know a lot of park owners don't want to be in the home business. They want to be in the land business. I regularly tell people my goal is to own zero homes, but in all practicality, it's never going to. I'm never going to get there. Uh, the just the necessity of bringing in homes and you know, selling them, selling them for cash or selling them for 21st mortgage can be challenging at times. It's harder to find good buyers, so I end up having to rent some homes. And I have a, you know, those can work out too, but really, just limits your ability, in my opinion, to expand. And to buy more parks because homes require more more cash because they're harder to finance on the buy. They require more maintenance. They require more, I mean, just more headache or more more brain damage, as I like to say. So, the key question then is if I if I don't want to be in the home business, how do I get rid of the homes? Obviously, if you sell them through cash or sell them through twenty first mortgage, that would be ideal. So that's kind of your first options, right? Is option one sell it for cash? Yeah. Well, here's the problem with that. Obviously, not everybody's got that kind of cash. So it's called $20,000 for a used home. It's hard to find $20,000 buyer. So what do you got next? Okay, you sell it through 21st Mortgage. That works sometimes, but 21st Mortgage, I'll cover this in a different episode, but uh, there's some challenges to that program. I mean, one, you typically have to have at least 10 vacant lots. So if you've got a, like I'm under contract right now on a small park, it's a 20-unit park, it's only got 17 occupied. So all I can ever get is three more. So I'm, I'm going to be ineligible to use 21st Mortgage for that part. So that's not a really good option for me there. Can I, so I've got one cash, two, a financed loan. 21st Mortgage is not the only player in the game. There's PEP, there's Triad, Vanderbilt. Sometimes you can get a local bank or a local credit union to finance your buyers. It's a little harder. Um, so really you get to kind of option three. A lot of people say, hey, can I do a rent-to-own? Or can I do a contract for deed? Can I do a lease with an option to purchase? What about this rent credit? And I say, can I? Because practically, yeah, you can probably do some of those combinations, and I'll cover what each of those looks like in, in subsequent episodes here. But the, the the gray area, and it's not really that gray to be honest on paper. The the, the risk, if you will, from a from a legality standpoint, is complying with the Dodd Frank Act and the Safe Act. So I get this call and I get this question all the time. And I'm probably giving up lots of legal work by putting this on a podcast instead of having this 30-minute discussion with people. But I'm tired of having the same discussion, to be honest. So here we go. We're going to jump into today Dodd-Frank and the SAFE Act. And then in subsequent episodes, we're going to tell you the options, what works, what doesn't, pros and cons. So first off, what the heck is the SAFE Act? Well, it stands for the Secure and Fair, Fair Enforcement for Mortgage Licensing Act. Okay, whatever that means. It's from 2008. This act was intended really to kind of provide a uniform or consistent licensing standards nationwide. Because before that, each state had their own licensing standards. And I say licensing is for, 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 for making loans. If you sell a home on terms, on paper, seller carrier, whatever you want to call it. We call it a contract for deed. You know, maybe it's a rent to own. Maybe it's a lease with option to purchase. 
depending on the nature of those in the terms, those are basically disguised mortgages. You're basically a lender. And by rule, by law, in the SAFE Act, you're supposed to be a mortgage loan originator or work with a mortgage loan originator. Okay, well, what does that mean? Well, that means you're basically a bank. That obviously comes with lots of scrutiny, lots of you know audit, lots of uh, brain damage, lots of expense. So for my example of this park in Iowa where I've got to have three vacant lots, man, is, that's, that's my, if that was my first park, my only park, it would definitely not be worth going through the process of being a mortgage loan originator. So, okay, th- then technically, what does that mean? Well, maybe some of those other strategies or options or alternative routes are now illegal. Okay, that's scary. So how do I get around this? Well, and get around this legally. Well, some states have a kind of a de minimis provision. You can sell one home, maybe three homes, um, and not be subject to the mortgage loan origination rules. Okay, well, the challenge is typically that is limited to an individual person. And I would strongly advise not ever owning anything in your own name. Don't own the homes in your own name. Don't own the land in your own name. Get a separate LLC for the land and a separate LLC for the homes. And if you're doing a syndication, have a separate LLC on top that's the parent. And if you're doing it, if you got property management, you probably want to have a, another separate LLC. Sounds like a lot of legal work. Hmm. And, but that's, that property management LLC could be an S-Corp. If you got yourself a law firm, you probably want to have a separate LLC. Um, perhaps your brokerage. It becomes a lot of paper tigers out there. But anyway, the SAFE Act can be can be scary if you mess it up. So, and there's there's strict criteria set forth in there that, that, that you, the seller, and also the buyer must kind of comply with. And this is kind of a, the result of the financial crisis, you know, 2007 area, uh, where there's a bunch of people out there making shady loans, you know, setting people up to fail. Like, hey, I'll sell you this house. Uh, here it's 10000 down. Oh, but by the way, there's an adjustable rate mortgage, and it's going to jump like crazy at some point, and then the payments are going to choke you. But don't worry, I'll come back, and I'm going to take your house, and your $10,000 is sunk cost. They're setting people up for fail, to fail. So then the, the piggyback on this was 2010, the Dodd-Frank Act. This is this basically, and Dodd-Frank, those were two congressmen. They did this as part of creating the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, which, among other things, is designed to protect people and you know, individuals. You know, I think the, here's the verbiage of the act. You know, quote, an act to promote the financial stability of the United States by improving accountability and transparency in the financial system. Okay, it was trying to stop the, it was trying to end the whole, you know, banks are too big to fail, which, which resulted in American taxpayers having to buy out, you know, a lot of these companies and stuff. That was a problem. It also was to protect consumers from abusive financial practices. And that's kind of the focus on the MH industry. So there was, an, there was a limitation on the amount of, there should have been, I think, was the intent to have a limit. If you have loans like under 50000 for example, which most seller finance mobile homes would qualify as, that you would be accept, exempted. But that didn't make it in the document. So and Barney Frank himself has later said it was unintended for the mobile homes and manufactured homes to be in the in the document. But this is 2,000 pages of bureaucracy. You know, so I don't even know. I doubt Barney Frank read it, frankly. Um, so as a result, that's the law of the land, which means guys like me, gals like you, we are subject to both SafeX and Dodd-Frank when we're selling mobile homes, which can be scary. So there's lots of strategies and, and, and options here. We'll go over them. Uh, I think the current safest route is the rent credit program, and that's kind of the belt and suspenders approach. But, but there's, there's pros and cons to each of these options that, I'll, that like I said, I'll go over here shortly. Uh, ultimately, today, the lesson is you know, to recognize you need to be a mortgage loan, mortgage loan originator or 
you're open to risk. You could try for some of these, you know, one one party uh, exemptions or three property exemptions, but that that's that's not very many, right? So, uh, like I sell a lot more houses in three a year, you know, and in, in, in even in different states, it's, that's not a real good practical workaround. But ultimately, the goal is going to be to be safe under the law, but also to divest of these park-owned homes. Of note, another another reason that you want to potentially divest of park-owned homes beyond just getting out of the, the brain damage and the maintenance business is it could impact your financing. As I think most people know, a lot of banks don't like having, carrying the paper on mobile homes, but I'm in the process right now of a couple of agency refinances, and... I've been, I've been, I'm, I'm actually delaying one of them, particularly for this reason that I have to get my park-owned home count or percentage below the required level. And depending on if you're going through, you know, Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, you're looking at a maximum of 20 to 25 percent of the homes being uh, park-owned. So if you're if you're doing a rental, that's park-owned. If you're doing a contract for deed, they typically say it's not park-owned. So that's a plus. If you're doing a lease. With an option to purchase, I think that's gray. Depends on your your verbiage. If you're doing a rent credit, that's still a park-owned home. So that's a, that's one of the downfalls. There's a teaser, you know, the downfalls of the rent credit program. But ultimately, if your goal is to get on non-recourse agency debt, you gotta you gotta trim the park-owned home counts. You gotta get it down. So anyway, that's all for today. More episodes to follow. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.